Hello, welcome to the Ditch the Diet podcast. My name is Kerry and in this episode we're talking about how to handle social eating. So I just wanted to share with you this week before we start talking about social eating that today I'm celebrating because as you might know, I have a new weight loss goal. Um, My new weight loss goal is to go down to a weight that I don't think I've ever consciously been aware of being at in my adult life. And today I'm at my lowest low. And it's funny because sometimes my brain is telling me that it's going too slow. I seem to be kind of fluctuating sometimes, but then going down in the tiniest increments, like a hundred grams every day. And um, the thing is, I really need to check myself with this stuff because if my brain tells me it's too slow and it should be happening faster, it should be happening in a different way, I should be a different weight already, it's not working properly, I will tend to get very disheartened and that's when I get um, urges to overeat to kind of compensate for those negative feelings. So I'm really consciously um, kind of tuning in and and celebrating every tiny success, which includes even 100 grams. So today it was fantastic to see that this is the lowest I've been and I only came down by 100 grams since yesterday. So um, it's a little tiny win, but it's one that I just wanted to share with you. It's worth celebrating every tiny win. So there's a lot of talk in the UK at the moment about coming out of lockdown, isn't there? And uh, we've been talking quite a lot about social eating and planning holidays um, in the Ditcher Diet Collective and the, the kind of group program that I've got with my clients. And there is a lot of anxiety and worry around this at the moment. So the people that I've been working with, a lot of them have found that lockdown has actually been really helpful for them um, in terms of really focusing in on just, you know, reconditioning their relationship with food and their body and being able to really focus on, on changing that relationship and coming to a new place with their weight loss goal. And not having the distractions of being invited out to different places or being in different environments where there might be foods that you don't necessarily choose to eat while you've got a weight loss goal. And so there's quite a lot of anxiety and worry coming up around possibly going backwards, um, maybe undoing all of the good work, just going back into yo-yo diet mode and falling off the wagon is a phrase I hear a lot. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of disbelief and a lack of trust about themselves that's coming up. So that's what some of the people that I've been working with have been saying. On the flip side, I'm also hearing from people who haven't actually been focusing on weight loss during this period of lockdown, and they have actually been putting on weight or maybe not losing at all because they've been locked in haven't always necessarily been feeling the best. And so it's really easy to go back to those old habits of using food as a comfort or using food as a stress relief, um, using food to feel better um, about themselves. And then the idea of coming out of lockdown and going back into an environment where we might be catching up with friends and family, or we might be networking um, with our colleagues or doing something like that. And then there's all these extra temptations. It can just bring up so much fear and anxiety around, uh, as I say, either undoing all the good work or making things even worse. And the thing is, when we've got lots and lots of anxiety and worry, we tend to actually end up overeating. When we don't trust ourselves, 
the funny thing is we end up almost proving those thoughts because we don't really believe that we can do it or we don't believe that we can say no or have the willpower or that, um, you know, we're just not going to be able to say no to the wine or the bread. We actually end up proving that. So there's lots and lots of anxiety and worry around at the moment. And actually having those feelings doesn't actually serve us in these situations. Quite often there's thoughts that come up when we think about going out to a social event with family or friends or work colleagues around, you know, I can never control myself when I'm around this person. Um, I can't not eat this thing when I'm out. I can't not drink when I'm with that group. I'm going to undo all of my good work. I'm going to fall off the wagon. All of my old habits are going to come back, et cetera, et cetera. And all of these kinds of thoughts can lead to feelings like disbelief in yourself, distrust. You can even go into guilt and shame spirals and just feel out of control, like the food is the external thing that's making you feel that way, when in fact it's these thoughts about that food that is making you feel that way. And so we know from the think, feel, act cycle that when we feel a certain way because we're thinking a certain thought, we will tend to act and actually do things in a certain way. So usually that looks like spending a lot of time in advance, stressing, worrying, um, just focusing on the fact that it's going to be bad. You really want to go, but you, you're thinking it's going to be a bad outcome. You're going to put on weight. You're going to start getting food cravings again. You're not going to be able to control yourself. What's actually really going on, though, is a number of different things. It's interesting how much can actually go on when we're actually out and about. One of the things is that we tend to get really food and weight focused. So let's just take the example of going to a restaurant and having an invitation to a restaurant to eat with friends. So when you're focused on whether or not you're going to be able to control yourself and that you shouldn't be eating a certain food and that you don't really want to, to actually eat that food, but you do want to go, but you, you don't know what to do when you're there, you're being so food and weight focused. And, and it's really interesting to ask yourself, is it really about the food? Check in, why are you actually going are you going to that restaurant literally to eat the food and to overeat? Or is it also about the pleasure of being connected to the people there that you love, spending time with your loved ones and nurturing those relationships? Or maybe it's not with people that you genuinely love. Maybe you feel you have to go and there's an element of social anxiety that comes up. Would you just prefer not to go? So check in. What is actually your motivation for going? Because very rarely, unless you might be going to an all-you-can-eat buffet where, you know, and there are there are many people, and I've done this in the past, where it's fo you're focused on, oh, my God, so much food, I want to eat it all. But really, when it comes to socializing, quite often it's, it's really about nurturing and spending time with those people that we love. So we can readjust our perspective and focus on the real reason why we're there, focus on our friends and our family. Focus on the joy of being around them. If you're out for work, um, you can focus on networking with your colleagues, building those relationships. 
You don't have to focus on the drinks that are there. You don't have to focus on the food that's there. You can focus, if you're at a business networking event, on meeting others and seeing how you can help them. And maybe if you're going from a breakfast meeting or something, if you're taking the networking event as an example, it's not even about the breakfast. Just focus on the other people there. So by readjusting what you're focused on, that can really help you to just calm those thoughts down about all of the food that's going to be available there and how you might react to that. The other thing that's also going on when we start focusing in and worrying about going to a social event is that we're really being past focused. So when we're past focus, we tend to collect evidence and decide based on probability what is probably going to happen. We look to our past. So we might have been in situations similar to this before where we have drunk too much, where we have eaten too much, and we use that as a measure of evidence for how it's going to go in the future. Now, the thing is, we're on a journey to do something completely new. So many of the people that I work with, we're on a journey to find a new way of being around food, to find a way of actually maintaining our weight loss forever and just not being food focused anymore. So this is something that we've never done before. We can't look to our past to actually gather evidence for how things are going to go in the future saying that we can certainly learn from what happened in the past. We can certainly learn some lessons and take those into the future and think, how will I do it differently if I want a different outcome? But when we're focused on the past and we decide that whenever I'm around this person or whenever I'm in that restaurant, where whenever I'm in that pub, this always happens. It's a completely powerless place to be. And we, we completely limit ourselves in the possibility of something being in a different way. So what we want to aim to do is to live in the realm of possibility rather than probability, which is a past focus. So we want to live in the realm of possibility where we can perhaps take on the student mentality. We can perhaps take on a learning mentality that we are actually learning to be a different way around these people, around these foods. And every time we go out, we can use this as an opportunity to practice a new way of being and to get better and better at it over time. Another problem that I see is that people can be living in impossibility, so not believing it's even possible. Underneath the worry sometimes and the desire to avoid situations like this, there is often a belief that it's not even possible. I mean, if you lived with the belief that it might be possible, you're not going to lack trust in yourself. You're not going to be worrying and you're not going to be anxious that it's not going to go that way. These are all indicators that you're living with a belief that it's impossible. Because when you believe it's impossible, it is possible, sorry, when you believe it is possible, then you're more likely to feel curiosity or openness. It opens things up. There's a kind of opening um, and an imagination that comes through and hope. Like, I wonder, actually, that kind of student mentality that I mentioned before, I wonder how it's possible. Or I'm learning, I'm going to try this technique on, I'm going to try this strategy when I go out tonight. And let's see how that plays out. 
So instead of saying to yourself, this is never going to work, I'm not going to be able to stop eating bread, I'm going to eat all the pizza there, I'm going to eat all the beer, or when my mum says that she's cooked this for me and it's my favourite thing and she's showing her love when she does that, um, and I can't, I can't not say no, there is a belief underneath that it is not possible. So you want to really check in with your beliefs when anything like a lack of trust comes up, a worry or an anxiety that you won't be able to actually follow through with your plans. It's an indicator that you're living with a belief that it's not possible. So we want to get to the place where the first step is that we're living in the 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 realm of possibility. So there's a curiosity and openness and experimentation, a student and learning mentality that comes through. And then from there, as we start to gather evidence of things at work, then we move into the realm of certainty and it's just probable. It's going to happen no matter what, but we need to practice going through those stages. So really check in, what are your beliefs around this? And can you find a way where you can perhaps ask yourself, how could this be possible? Or maybe start using thoughts like, I'm a student, I'm learning how to do this, I'm learning how to be sociable and have a different lifestyle so that I lose weight, so that I maintain my weight loss and have a healthy natural body size. And another thing that I find when we, we go in social situations, there's so much. It's just really rich in, in all sorts of triggers and cues for us for overeating. A lot of people go in unprepared. This is another problem that I see. So when we're unprepared, our default is to go in and do what we've done in the past. That's normal. Our brain is used to that behavior. We have built up strong neural pathways so that we may not even think about it. When we are offered a glass of wine, we take it. Um, when we walk into a cafe that we've been in many times before, we might always order the same cake. So you might order it before you've even thought about it. Or if there's some little chocolates that are, that come out with a bill at the restaurant, just reach for it. You know, it's, it's sometimes so hardwired, these behaviors that we don't even recognize them. So when we don't prepare ourselves, we are at risk of just doing the same behavior in the past. So we really need to go in with a plan and we need to consider what outcome we want to be of getting at the end of the event um, so that we can make a plan for that. Because your primitive brain is led by the motivational triad. It wants things to be easy. It wants to conserve energy. It wants to avoid pain. It wants pleasure. It wants that hit of dopamine. And if you're around all of those foods that give a massive surge of pleasure, like bread or wine or sweet desserts and things like that, then your brain, your primitive brain, is going to want to automatically go for those just by the way our brain has developed over time. It's a survival mechanism. It might want to avoid pain, so wanting to feel connected and part of the group. It might have you going to default people-pleasing behavior, if that's something that you've done in the past before as well. You might be well-versed and well-practiced in people-pleasing and saying yes when you really mean no. You know, so we might be wanting to avoid the pain of disappointing people, to avoid the pain of rejection, to avoid the pain of not being part of the group and participating. So we we are often led by our lizard brain when we have this in place. And I like to really think about it in that way. It's like if we picture it like a lizard brain and, 
you know, we need to get the lizard tamed and get it on a leash. We need to manage our mind so that we are not automatically led by our primitive brain in these situations. We want to be making a plan using the higher part of our brain and actually executing that so that we are in alignment with our goals and what is best for us and our highest purpose. You've also got unconscious habits. You've got practiced neural pathways. Like I said before, you're going to be just reacting to automatic cues that are being practiced over such a long time. You don't even get a, give it a second thought. As I say, someone offers you wine, you just say yes. Um, the bread's on the table, you automatically reach for it. Suddenly you realize it's on your plate. How did that happen? you know? So we need to practice being in a new way. And by making a plan and executing it and being really aware of what's going on, we start to break down these old habits and we start to get really aware of where our primitive brain is coming in and leading us down a path of just wanting pleasure or avoiding pain. So we can start to really manage our mind in a new way in these environments. And this is really important because these environments offer so many triggers for our old habits. When you walk into an event or maybe you're going to your family's house for a gathering or something, there's sounds, there's smells, there's sights, there's people, there's places. You might hear the coffee machine going off in a cafe and then suddenly get a craving for a latte. You might smell the bread and just start drooling and wanting a piece of bread in a bakery. You might see someone eating a pizza and suddenly you've got a craving for pizza. You might be around people, especially your family, who you've always traditionally overeaten with, or they might actually be making you food as a gesture of love. And it might be hard for you to manage your reaction to what we sometimes describe as food pushers. Sometimes people will take no for an answer and understand and back off. Other times, they can, you know, really kind of want you to participate and they're not necessarily being bad about it because it's very socially acceptable to be polite and to offer everyone a drink and some food at these, these events. So it's about how do you manage your reaction when you get these offers and how do you retrain people around you and retrain yourself so that you can stay in integrity with your plan. So it's a very rich environment for all of these cues and all of these old habits. And the thing is, we need that plan to help us navigate all of this. And I love to think of these situations as a beautiful opportunity to learn and practice a new way of being. So imagine if you had a game plan for going into these environments and you've decided in advance how you want it to go. You feel prepared. You're going in with a student mindset or a learner's mindset and you're seeing it as an opportunity to practice new skills. And then what if you felt curious about all the triggers and then when you feel desire or an urge to, to eat something, you just notice that with curiosity. And then practiced sitting with the desire, not giving in, and then reconditioning that over-desire and that response. So we've spoken a lot about the myriad of things that can be going on when someone goes into a social situation. There is so much going on, and that is why it's really important to make a plan if you're you're looking, whether you're on a weight loss journey or not, I think it's a great thing to do to just make a plan because when you're making a plan, you're deciding with your primitive brain and the highest part of your mind what you want to do, how you want it to go. So here is a checklist that I offer to my students 
uh, when they are going out to socially eat, whether that's a restaurant or maybe it's an event like a wedding, or they may just be going home to see their family and someone's cooking for them. So do some research. You can get online and see if there's any menus. You can make a phone call and see what the catering is going to be. Um, you can make a phone call and, and ask what are people planning to cook if you're going to someone's house for dinner. You can then make a decision. Decide on how you want to handle the event. Are you going to use it as a joy eat? Are you going to allow yourself, therefore, to eat whatever you want, but ensure that you don't overeat? Or do you want to follow through with your plan? Do you still want to come out of it looking to continue your weight loss journey? Based on your decision of how you want to handle the event, you can then decide what, what dish are you likely going to order? What drinks? How many drinks? Any desserts? Any starters? How full are you going to allow yourself to get with all of this food? Are you going to eat to number three on the hunger scale? Will you just feel light and satisfied? And if you can't find out exactly what um, is going to be there, I often say to people, decide in advance then what types of food that you're going to be looking for at least. So then you're scanning the menu and you're making decisions based on what's there available for you. You can also decide as well, how do you want to alter dishes so that you can make it uh, in alignment with your plan? It might mean that you ask for no potatoes or no rice on the side of a certain dish, or maybe no bread. Then once you've decided what you're going to do, you want to consider your obstacles. So what could get in the way of this plan? Consider your cues as well. What are your triggers for overeating? Are there any people around you, any behaviors or any thoughts about it? Maybe your own thoughts that will often lead you to not be in alignment with your plan and to not follow through. So really have a think about what obstacles may come up for you. It might be that your mum, bless her, is just really sweet and she often wants you to eat all of your childhood favourites. It might be that your colleague is already always pushing you to get drunk and have an extra glass of wine. It might be that you know that in the past you've always given in and eaten bread, so maybe that's an obstacle for you. So brainstorm any obstacles that could come up. And then you want to decide for each obstacle, what's your strategy? So your friend at work is always trying to get you drunk and offers you an extra glass of wine. What are you going to say when they make that offer? No, thank you. I've had enough. So you can actually even practice if it's in particular, if you're dealing with food or drink pushes, decide in advance how you want to respond and even practice the conversation in your head. So it comes out really easily when you're in that situation. So just to recap, you're going to do the research. You're going to make a decision on how you want to handle the, the um, event, joy eat or eat according to your plan. You're going to plan the dish and the drinks that you're eating and then how full you're going to get. You are going to brainstorm obstacles and then a strategy for each obstacle that might come up and practice any conversations that you need to have with food pushers or drink pushers. And then finally, remember you're a student, remember you're learning. So see if you can create a mindset of it being a learning opportunity. If things don't go right on the day, look at what happened with a curious mind. Ask yourself, where did I where did things change from my plan here? What actually happened? So that you can learn from the experience and you can then decide what you'll do differently in the future. Once you understand that, you can now put it in the past and move on because hey, we're human. This is all about progress, not perfection. 
So one thing I love to remember is that if you are not winning, then you're learning. And this is your opportunity to learn and get better with every situation you have in each different social situation. It's just a learning process. So I'm going to have all of these um, checklist questions written for you on my website. So if you want to go over to my website, to the podcast page, you can go to kerrydwilliams.com forward slash 1919, and that will take you to the podcast episode page. And you can see this checklist there. And I encourage you to use this checklist if you feel that it would help you when you're going out in social situations. Practice being that student, practice using it as a learning opportunity and see how that comes up for you. And notice how different it can be with every social situation that you go out with in how different you become in each of those um, experiences and how you change as a person moving into being a different weight and a different lifestyle. So I hope that's been helpful and I'd love to hear your thoughts if you want to come over and leave a comment. Uh, as I say, this podcast episode is on kerrydwilliams.com forward slash 19. And if you are interested in losing weight for the last time and you would like to have a coaching session around it, I encourage you to get in touch with me. We can have a chat. I usually um, have a chat with people and do uh, a coaching session on their biggest challenge uh, around losing weight. And then we can talk about what your strategies and your obstacles might be to that. So if you're interested in having a free call and getting on the phone, I'd love to speak to you. So you can always get in touch with me through my website or drop me an email on hello at kerrydwilliams.com. Have a lovely week and I will speak to you again next week. Bye for now.